Our scripture is from John chapter 16, and we will read verses, uh, the middle of verse 4 through 15. Would you please stand for the reading of scripture? I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Verse 5, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you speak to your children, that you have spoken by your Son. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would see and hear him in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. How are we better off without Jesus? The question is not, are we better off without Jesus, but how? It is assumed that we are better off without Jesus. And I know we all understand that this morning. We all know in the Clover ARP Church that we are better off without Jesus. Say, what? That's what he said. That's what Jesus said. Look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. That's plain. It's to our advantage that Jesus has gone. The disciples were sad. Look at verse 6. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They were sad because Jesus had told them he was going to leave them. And so, to cheer them up, Jesus tells them they will actually be better off if he leaves. How can this possibly be? Let's find out. First in this passage, you see that we are better off without Jesus because the Holy Spirit will come to us. Look at verse 7 again. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus tells his disciples the reason they're better off without him is because if he goes away, the Helper will come. Now, we've already seen in these last couple of chapters that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit in this way, the Helper, or in the authorized Bible, the the Comforter, or uh, the Advocate, or Counselor, the Greek uh, paraclete, difficult to translate. Jesus has already identified this Helper as the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, In verse 17, and here Jesus says that this helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come unless he, that's Jesus, goes away. Now a few pages back, you don't need to turn, but in John chapter 7 and verse 39, it says that those who believed in Jesus were to receive the Holy Spirit in the future. But it says, as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to be glorified in order for the Holy Spirit to be given. Now, this does not mean that the Holy Spirit was not doing anything before this. He was, this does not mean he was not doing anything in people's lives in the Old Testament or prior to Jesus being glorified. We know uh, that the, the Holy Spirit was changing people's hearts. The Holy Spirit was there at the very beginning hovering over the waters when God first created the heavens and the earth. Uh, David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me which we were going to sing, and I skipped it, which is just as well because we're going to be late getting out anyway. I just realized that. (laughs) But something tremendously changed in the work of the Holy Spirit once Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead and then ascended back to heaven to the throne of God. Now turn to to Acts chapter 2. It's just a few pages ahead to Acts chapter 2. And if you would, hold your place in Acts 2. Put your ribbon or your bulletin or bookmark something in there because we're going to be back and forth a little bit between John 16 and Acts 2 today. But we don't have time for everything uh, that happened on the day of Pentecost. But here in Acts chapter 2, everything Jesus promised in our text in John 16, came true. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down on the apostles. Those men who were with Jesus that night in John 16. Now look at what the apostle Peter says explaining what is happening when the Holy Spirit is coming here in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 32. This Jesus God raised up And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God 
and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. You see, the Father had promised Jesus the Holy Spirit. Uh, Again, this is way over my head, but you know there's always been a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the eternal Son of God had always had the Spirit, and the man, Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son, has had the Holy Spirit from his conception. It was the whole, God told, uh, Gabriel told the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and cause thee. Conception of the Savior. So the Holy Spirit has always been with Jesus, yet we see here in Acts 2.33 that the Father had promised to give Jesus the Holy Spirit upon the completion of his work on earth and his return to glory. And Jesus, once he received the Holy Spirit... You see there at the end of Acts 2 and verse 33, he poured him out on his people. Now what all that means, we'll get some of it later, certainly not all of it. But for now, you see that in order for us to receive the Holy Spirit in this new way, Jesus had to go to the cross and be raised and exalted to the right hand of God and enter his glory. At this point, we have not yet seen why it is to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit, but we have seen that we could not receive the Holy Spirit unless Jesus left to return to the right hand of the Father. You see, we're better off without Jesus because the Holy Spirit will come. Secondly, we are better off without Jesus because the Holy Spirit will convict the world. Look at verse 8. Back in John 16, verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of these three things. And further in verses 9 to 11, he explains why the world will be convicted of each of these three things. Look at verse 9. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. The The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in Jesus. Now look at verse 10. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. He convicts the world of righteousness because Jesus is going to go back to heaven and be seen no more. Now verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Spirit convicts the world of judgment because the ruler of this world, that is the devil, is himself judged. Now let's go jump back to Acts 2, and this will be the last time, I believe, and see exactly where this happened. Acts chapter 2, and look at verse 36. This is continuing what we already looked at, Peter's sermon, when the Holy Spirit came down explaining what was going on. 
Acts 2.36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now look at 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You see, when the Holy Spirit came, the people were cut to the heart. They were convicted of sin because in their unbelief they had crucified their Lord and Christ. The Spirit came and they were convicted of sin because of unbelief. They were convicted of righteousness because God had raised him. Acts 2, look at verse 24. God raised him up loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. was impossible for death to hold Jesus because death is the wages of sin and there was no sin in Jesus because Jesus was perfect, perfectly righteous. And the fact that he is not in the grave but gone to the Father and we see him no longer on this earth convicts the world of the only true righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, whom death could not hold. And they were convicted of judgment because in his death and resurrection, the devil was overthrown. When I was a little boy in a Cochran Street Baptist church in Statesville, North Carolina, my pastor... J.B. Parker, Jr., who is still preaching to this day. He'll be 91 years old next month. In fact, he called me a couple of weeks ago, made my day. He was excited to tell me for the first time in his life he had been asked to fill in at ARP Church. He had to call his one ARP convert and tell him that he preached in ARP. But when I was growing up, Every Sunday, Pastor Parker prayed about the same prayer before he preached. And one of the things he prayed every Sunday was that the Holy Spirit would move across the rostrum and down the aisle and through the sanctuary. And Preacher Parker would always pray that the Holy Spirit, as he moved through that house, would begin to do his office work, which is old-fashioned conviction. I'll never forget that prayer. And that's it. That's what the Holy Spirit brought from the beginning. Conviction. That's what we need. That's what you need. That's what I need. The same as what they needed in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Old-fashioned conviction. Look at what happened. You're still in Acts 2. Look at what happened when the Holy Spirit convicted the masses in Jerusalem. Acts 2.37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the brothers, Apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. You see Acts 2, 41. So those who received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They were convicted. Convicted that they were sinners. Convicted that judgment was coming against this crooked generation. Convicted that Jesus Christ was the righteous one whom the grave could not hold. And they repented. They turned to Jesus Christ and 3,000 souls were saved in one day. Well, there is no conviction. There can be no salvation. You know, sometimes you hear someone say they don't want to come to church and feel guilty. Some church advertise. They won't make you feel guilty. Now, you understand it's not biblical for a church to harangue people, guilt trip people, twist their arms, try to make you feel as miserable as possible in the time available so we can get as much money as we can out of you. No. But there's no salvation without conviction. There's no salvation without repentance. And there's no repentance without conviction. The Holy Spirit convicted these people and they turned to Jesus and 3,000 souls were saved and found the greatest joy they had ever experienced on this earth. You'll never be happy. Truly, eternally happy without conviction. So we're better off without Jesus because the Holy Spirit will come to us because he will convict the world. Thirdly, we're better off without Jesus because the Holy Spirit will communicate the truth. Now back in John 16, and we're back to stay, look at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus says, I have many things to say. These says the Holy Spirit will guide you in all the truth and speak whatever he hears. You see, Jesus promised that he would speak to his people by his Holy Spirit. Now this is much abused. What kind of guidance does Jesus say in verse 13 the Spirit will give? He says he will guide you into all the truth. What is the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would guide his people into the truth about him. Don't like to quote these commentaries too much, but Dr. Carson said, the notion of guidance in all truth has nothing to do with privileged information pertaining to one's choice of vocation or mate, but with understanding God 
as he has revealed himself and with obeying that revelation. And that revelation is all bound up in Jesus Christ. In other words, now we believe Jesus that God gives us guidance in all things, but Jesus is not saying, young men, you want to know which girl to marry, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. You want to know which job to take, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. No, he's saying the Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth about me. A lot of young men have told that woman that the Holy that God told him he was going to marry her, and she said he ain't told me that. <laughs> in Jesus and in Jesus alone is all the truth. This is the truth into which the Holy Spirit guides. And the Spirit did guide them into all the truth of Jesus. And so Peter says that holy men of old wrote the scripture as they were carried along, guided into the truth by the Holy Spirit. And as he had guided them into the truth to write the Old Testament, so when Jesus ascended and sent down the Holy Spirit, he carried them along and guided them to set down the truth the truth of Jesus Christ and he continues to speak and guide us today through that final word. Do you want to hear the Holy Spirit? Read this book. And don't listen for him anywhere else. You remember the story of how St. Augustine was converted, a wicked young man who had absolutely no self-control, but for decades his dear mother Monica never ceased to pray for him. And one day in Milan he heard some children playing a game and he heard one of the children say, Tola Lege, take up and read. And he found a Bible somehow and in the providence of God he picked it up and began to read. And through that word, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and convicted him and he turned to Jesus and became the great father of the church, Saint Augustine. We're better off without Jesus because the Holy Spirit will come to us. He will convict the world. He will communicate the truth. And fourthly and finally, we're better off without Jesus because the Holy Spirit will continue the ministry of Jesus in us. Look at verse 14. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now here we begin to see why all this means we're better off without Jesus. Twice here he says the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. We have seen before in recent weeks, I won't go through it all again, but 
The Holy Spirit was in and on the Lord Jesus. He conceived him and formed him in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was with him in his growth and development. The Spirit guided Jesus, anointed Jesus, empowered Jesus, and on the cross he offered himself through the eternal Spirit and three days later Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection and now that same spirit is taking the love of Jesus the joy of Jesus the peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control of Jesus, that fruit of the same spirit that he created in Jesus, he recreates it in our lives by joining us to this same Jesus. You see, through the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus continues in and through us until he comes again. This is why it is to our advantage that Jesus has gone away. His spirit brings his own life into his people. On earth, Jesus was with his people. But we need more than that. You know, when you're young and and dating, it's fun to date when you're young. Fun to go out. Fun to go eat, fun to go to the movies, take long walks, just fun to be with each other. But there comes a time to move beyond that. Time to get married and move in, in that order. And if you've done it in other order, then get convicted and repent today. You see, Jesus was with his people on earth. But we need more than to be with Jesus. We need to be joined to him and have him move into our hearts and our lives. Some folks tell me I preach like a Baptist and I always say, well... Maybe I do, but I don't know when I got saved, so they won't let me join a Baptist church. I don't know the moment I was converted. But I do know it happened sometime in the 1980s or 1990s in Idle County, North Carolina. Some of you were being converted in York County about that same time. You know, Jesus... The man, Christ Jesus, according to his human nature, he could not be in North Carolina and South Carolina at the same time. And so we couldn't both have been saved. But Jesus called me to himself in North Carolina, and he called you to himself in South Carolina, and he called people in India and Pakistan and Turkey and even North Korea because by the power of the Holy Spirit who takes what is his and declares it to his people, the Lord Jesus is in his people all over the world, guiding them, calling them into all the truth, all the truth of Jesus 
himself. You know, the irony is that because Jesus is gone, he is now closer than he ever was on this earth. And perhaps he is calling you this very day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.